Welcome to Wizards of Oz, where I'm... <laughs> keeping this in because i just got an email everyone mute welcome to wizards of oz everyone i'm your host timothy rooney and with this show i'll be doing interviews of all my oswego friends that came from long island or upstate not just limited to my long island friends and we'll talk about our times at the great white north university i call it even though we're not exactly in the great white north but like i did an episode with matt jackson Chris Chris Lewin's episode will be out by the time this goes up, and this is technically my third guest, which will be an official episode, even though Sebastian's eyes episode never really came to fruition the first time around. It's def- we're definitely doing another one. Who am I speaking to today? You're speaking to Justin Cirillo. <laughs> <laughs> we like as soon as I mentioned we were going to do this, Justin was really excited, to, oh, like, yes. and uh, I was like, oh, like like right after I did Jackson's. Uh, podcast i'm like oh we definitely got to get justin here on the mic to talk about our oswego times and like every, every other episode we're going north miss tessmacher so it's time to lace up our skates and click our heels because we're going to deal with the wizards of oz So, Justin, when and where were you born? I was born July 29th, 1989, in uh, Oceanside, Long Island, which is out Nassau County. Uh. Nassau. <laughs> Go on. Queens Jr. Queens Jr. That's a, that's a, I've never heard that before. Now I'm going to just call it that. I, I just made it up. Well, well there we go. <laughs> you're from Nassau. Oh, you're Queens Jr. because you're just really unfortunate and queens is the better county i'm sorry to say yeah so and i assume you do not reside there anymore of our bashing of nassau no uh i'm i lived out there in belmore actually for uh the first eight nine years uh, of my life we had a little small apartment mm-hmm. um in belmore and Eventually, my parents saved up enough money. We were able to move out to a nice home hmm. in Holbrook, um, which is in the Sachem School District. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it's been a, a thrill ever since then. Um, now, like we usually, like most of these episodes, we kind of like skip to high school because that's when school really gets interesting and you start to form your own identity. Which high school did you go to? I went to Sachem High School North. Yes. Which... Um, <laughs> Is the better of the two sachems? Yes, Larry. You have to take that in. Yeah, North is better. I mean, we don't look like a hospital. We look like, we do look like a, a you know, a typical, whoa, nineteen fifty. Right? Everyone's moving out here. Let's make cookie cutter schools. Literally every high school on Long Island is designed exactly the same way. Well, it's funny that you say that because a lot of like with the baby boomers and stuff like that. If you go to my dad's home where. His sister still resides in Deer Park. You look at every other house on the block, a lot of them have been modified over time, but the same basic structure is the same kind of interior, the same kind of outer interior, exterior to with the design because it's like, all right, we have this one plan for a house. Okay, and we just build a bunch of houses just like that. Now, what was your experiences like in high school at Station North? 
I really loved it. I mean, I, I thought high school by far was the best four years of, of my, you know, before college education. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was definitely by that. the by, Well, you have to remember, too, when I started going to high school, this was back in 2003. So there was still Sachem North and Sachem South, which is where at the time the ninth and 10th students went to school. Mm-hmm. So my first year of high school, it wasn't like, you know, oh, my God, there are all these, you know, seniors and here I am, this little hobbit. I'm a hobbit enough already, even without, you know, 12th graders towering over me. But like, so it was a little bit easier to adjust. Mm -hmm. And then the next year in 10th grade is really when I started to figure out what I wanted to do with, uh, with my future. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it all relates to sports and broadcasting and sort of what we're doing right now. Yeah, and, and like because podcasting is by extension part of broadcasting, just like how journalism you can you can relate that's part of broadcasting as well, tangentially at times. Now, was there a single event that kind of spurred you off in this direction, or is there like a series of events that led you to this path that we are on right now? Uh, I mean, I, I've always been a huge sports fan ever since I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, there there were a couple of different things I was thinking about going into, like music. For a time, it was like cooking. I went to a cooking phase. It was strange. I had a weird childhood, as you could probably <laughs> I think assume. you told me about your culinary phase as yeah. well. I had a really bad teacher. That's why I got out of it. Oh. Um, and then went into went into seriously started consider sports journalism, sports writing, sports broadcasting, mm-hmm. all of that. And that's really when I decided decided to uh look into that and I discovered that uh Sachem High School had their own radio station. Now I can't pass up this opportunity, so I guess that teacher cracked your eggs when it came to your culinary dreams. <laughs> Yeah, it was sort of like a kitchen fire. That's what it became. <laughs> um, so you discover Station North has a radio station. Now, now, for some who don't know, there was in order to do that, you had to take a class about radio broadcasting first, and then you had a few classes and stuff like that. Then you had your trials going on to that. Who was teaching the class, and what was your experiences like in that class overall? Uh, I remember the teacher, Mr. Isaac Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy, that's his name. I couldn't forget. I couldn't remember it. I mean, you you walk into the class, and here's this short little professor who was a former wrestler and coaches wrestling, I think at Sachem North, Mm -hmm. or or as an assistant coach there. And you would never expect him to be this really eloquent uh, speaker and first thing he does when we get into class is um, goes through all of what we're doing, lays out, we're going to be talking about um, FCC rules, what we do at the radio station, all different types of music formats, Mm -hmm. all different types of music, Um, and really for the first month or so of the class, it was just, you know, learning what happens in radio. Now, like a lot of those classes that are very trade-oriented or even tough subjects, whether it be high school or college, where there are people who signed up for the class and they're like, hey, I like I like listening to the radio. I can be on the radio and then realize it's a lot more than you expect. Yeah. And was there like a drop-off of like people caring in that class because of that? Yeah. Well, 
it, it also was a class where you actually had to put on your own radio show. So I think um, a lot of students had fun with it, but there was still, you know, a couple of students who, you know, two, three months in after they realized, oh, you actually have to, you actually have to prepare your show and think about what you say and do and, you know, actually plan out a show. There were definitely a couple of, you know, students that were like, oh, this is, this is not what I thought it would be. I thought it was just going to be playing some music and then it, you, you feel, you figure out really quickly, yeah, you play a lot of music, but there's still 15 minutes of content that you have to generate personally mm-hmm. and you have to plan it out and you have to produce and you're like, well, this is a lot more difficult than I thought. Right. And it's like, and that's something that I really thrived on, especially when uh, it was one piece of paper that like it was in every radio station that we had, like the radio station we had, we always had tons of it, but it's like how you would time it. If you're doing a music based program, all right, like, all right, this is the song and this is how long it is. And it's, it was a big wheel to time out. All right, this song will go here. This song will go here. This will last this many minutes and 90 seconds. We can plan your out your show to perfectly. And I really enjoyed doing that as well, as you said, producing your own content when you were on the air. And it was funny because of that, because I took the same radio class um, a few years, like two years after you. It's because of that I never used headphones in there. I would just use the VU meters when my mm-hmm. voice was going because I, I hated hearing my voice back. But and it didn't happen until when I started doing podcasting and like a few like the one episode when Sebastian and I did that aforementioned that like got messed up because I wasn't paying attention to it. I was just l- looking at the VU meters. That's why my headphones are in the audio recorder now. I'm just like, yeah, like it, it's a little annoying, but it's just the one that you just get used to. Now you have an option if you. And what what was your show about in the first place? Was it any music, or is it just an hour worth of content of you generating? Uh, my first show there um, was a music show, mm-hmm. and it was kind of strange because the like I you, you could probably guess I was super awkward in high school, so it was hard for me to do well. In... <laughs> I just put up the shocker symbol right there when he was talking. I'm sorry, I, I threw him off there. <laughs> So, you don't say. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> so uh, obviously it was it was kind of difficult for me to like you know fit into a group, um, but there was two girls that I was friends with, and not really like friends, just like sort of became acquaintances with. Right. And so I tried doing a show with them. One of them was one of the students that just didn't give a damn about the class after two months. And mm-hmm. the other one tried hard, but just like couldn't, couldn't do, uh, couldn't, we didn't work well together for, right. for a show. So I was like, I was getting like a little stressed out because like everyone else was starting to pass and I'm still like in my audition phase. And then we, we ended up, excuse me. Oh, by all means. What ended up happening was one of the the guys I have worked with on uh, a couple of the football games there also needed a partner for his show, and we were able to find um, uh, a good slot time in the afternoon where he could come over. He went to East, mm-hmm. so he came over to North, I think it was every Thursday afternoon, and... Um, we had a music show together, and that was really my first regular on-air spot at SHR. 
Now, what was the kind of the music that you played? Was it like like a, a classic rock station? Was it a hip-hop station or a show or what? It was kind of like a modern rock or a pop rock um, show. Like, we played The Killers. We played some, you know, more um, popish, you mm-hmm. know. I'm trying to f- remember what bands were big back in 2005. Like Muse like, or – as my mic almost falls down. Sorry, folks. Um, Muse or um, – Muse. Um, Coldplay. We played Coldplay, uh, U2. Um the Killers mm-hmm. were starting to become big back then. Nickelback, <laughs> boy, how far have they fallen? But they were they were actually big once upon a time. Yeah, it's one of those like unfortunate things, and like, they're still getting kicked down today. Like there was that that uh, article that was all trending on Facebook. It was like, like if you call your ex's number or something like that, Nickelback will play for you. Something like that. Like that's it. Just it's like a, like don't do it. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. suffer. So so they play Nickelback for you. And hold on, folks. There's a little bit of a, a little bit of distortion right now. I don't know what it is. Hopefully, it's not the mics. Okay. Um, so, and how did that year ended? How did that show go? Because like you do it for all ten months of that, of or at least until you pass your audition for the remainder of the school year. What was your final show like? Uh, that show was actually it. it went- really well we started i think our first show was right before the christmas break so we we really got into a rhythm of our shows in january and we had a pretty good on-air chemistry anyway so we sort of like clicked well Mm -hmm. um we were both kind of sports fans i was more of a a dedicated sports fan but we both followed sports Mm -hmm. um both were sort of into the same things, and um, I'm sorry, <laughs> we both were into um, you know the same sort of things musically as right. well. So it just sort of clicked uh, very well. And by the end of by the end of my first year there, you know, both of us had become you know one of the more trusted students at the station so like you know we could be left alone for an hour or two hours in the studio and you know things wouldn't blow up and things would go quite well right and it's like one of those things because we have a station manager by the name of mr laura who pretty much ran the radio station and along with association of mr ramaswamy doing all the um classroom based work and stuff like that now i assume the next year you had your own show and it was just you yeah, it actually started over that summer in between my junior and senior year. We had, um, everyone had uh, summer shows thoughts, so uh, I signed up. Mine was definitely uh, a classic rock show, um, and I tried to throw out, like, sports info whenever I could. Um, but it was my first time running a solo, a, a solo show. Which meant running the board, which I didn't really get to do that much when I when I worked with um, in my group, mm-hmm. uh, which made it a little bit interesting to like you know play with lead-ins into songs like you know hitting the post, what they call it uh, in in the profession, mm-hmm. when you you time a, a song lead-in 
So you end your talk segment right when the vocals kick in. Yeah. Which is, but the first time it happened, I, I like had this massive grin on my face. <laughs> I ran to the back. And I'm like, Mister Laura, I did it! Oh my goodness! <laughs> and it's like, and may like for some who don't do it, it may seem lame, but like something like that you completely associate with a professional level, and then something like for the first time you achieve it. It's one of those things that you'll never forget, and and like for ones, uh, like. I've seen in other episodes, the Oswego film uh, major ran a uh, 48-hour film festival every year around October, and it was just to make a horror movie within 48 hours. Remember the first one I did, that, and it played on the big screen in front of everybody, in front of a packed theater. I'll never forget that, because I'm like, that's the first time I like my work kind of really exhibited in front of everybody, and I, re- I was really proud of it at the time. I look back, and now it's very amateurish, and, I, and I'm... And you got a great react. You got probably the best reaction out of anyone in the 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 crowd that night. Well, yeah, and then I think like the same happened la- next year when it was like when we did like with Larry and stuff like that with squeak squeak and that, <laughs> and I like, got the biggest laughs and such. But um, now high school is coming to an end. You're doing your radio show. I assume academics are going well at that point because you went to you didn't go to Suffolk at first. No. What school? Stupidly. <laughs> what school did you go to first after high school? I went to Hofstra, and this would be the time where you like play a sound effect full of like booze. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the decision process to go there? Uh, I heard they had a, a pretty good um, communications program. Mister mm-hmm. Laura had gone there. He, you know, gave it the thumbs up. Right. Um. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go there too. My grades were good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no problem getting in. Um, I really didn't have a backup plan either. Um, so I was like, Tofstra, it's... Or bust. It's, well, Tofstra, it's that or bust, or I'll, I'll go to Suffolk for a couple of semesters. But, um, you know, it wasn't, it was close to home. And at that time in my life, I wasn't ready, you know, to to go away from home yet. I didn't feel like I was mature enough or or confident enough to, you know, survive away from home. So it was a good way of, you know, staying home. Um, but I think the problem was not so much being close to home, but being far away from school because it's still, you know, a 45-minute commute to Hofstra every day, which, you know, takes a lot out of you, especially if you want to get into something like communications where you need to be able to commit yourself 100% to. And it's like, that's why us being broadcasters like well the one thing we always try to do if it's a big broadcast we always try to at least have a good night's sleep and as well as to be to be tack sharp at that time when it gets to it like you're like all right i gotta do this because it's like whether it be live broadcast where like everybody who's like who's tuning in will will notice your fumble if you mess up Mm -hmm. so and like you're saying like you need something to throw yourself into and then like a forty, like you people are like oh, forty minute period doesn't seem too bad, but it's just like, yeah, the first few weeks won't be bad, but it's like when the school load starts to get mounting, the weather yeah. is changing, and you're dealing with the commuters every day. That's something that just slowly just 
breaks you down. I let, let this happen like a couple of times. Let's say you're like, you're in a rush in the morning. You forget something at home. It's not like, oh, let me just run back to my dorm and get it. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like five minutes late to my late to my class. Mm-hmm. If you don't realize you've forgotten something until you're halfway there, it's like your day is just like ruined. Mm-hmm. And how long were you at Hofstra? Uh, two years. And what led you to stop going there and decide to go to Suffolk? Uh, I stopped going there because I just really didn't see myself being a, a part of their communications program. A couple of the professors that I had in the communication department were just like, didn't seem to be in touch with their students. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well. Were they like just clock punchers that just come in, read from the book, and that's it rather than being really engaging? Not not so much that it's actually been such a long time since I've been there. It's it's hard to describe it, but um, it just was like I think they. I think it would have been a lot easier had I lived on campus mm-hmm. there, but I they it was just like the workload was really demanding, mm-hmm. and you 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 had to be on top of your your toes there, mm-hmm. and so. After two years, you decide, like, you tell your parents you want to go to Suffolk and stop going to Hofstra. How do they react? <laughs> Not good. I, I, I assume so. <laughs> um, uh, it was, they, uh, they were really puzzled by it because um, they thought I was going to, you know, go to Hofstra. I thought I was going to go to Hofstra, be out there, be out of there in four, four and a half years at most with uh, a degree and that didn't happen mm-hmm. so it was disappointing for all of us uh, and myself but like I sort of knew well and here's the other thing about house and this is like the um, this is when I sort of like had a feeling early on it wasn't going to go quite the way I thought it was mm-hmm. for their radio program there and they, they they have a TV set up but I mean it's not, it's not a TV setup. Okay. So their big thing is ha, has always been radio. Right. Um, thing is, you have a, a radio station, and there, to be a part of it, you have to take a semester-long class, which you don't get credit for. I know the, the look on your face is like <laughs> that makes no sense. <sighs> and the th- the thing is, my schedule the first semester there because I passed and there's an interview process as well for you to just get into the 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 class mm-hmm. I passed the interview the first semester uh, I I was there but the the problem was the class was the same night I had another class that I had to take otherwise I would not have met the minimum credit requirement to be a full-time student. Oh. Yeah. That's lame. So, your tenure at Hofstra ends, and you decide to go to Suffolk. Now, did you have any preconceived notions of their communications program going in? Did you feel like, here's Hofstra high on a level, and then Suffolk is down here your first time going into it? Well, I, I had some preconceived notions about Suffolk overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mr. Laura had always talked well about the 
the TV studio at at Suffolk and and Al Bernstein's program there. That had been like you know the one part of Suffolk that never got made fun of. Right. So I sort of knew I was in pretty good hands as far as that goes, and then I just told myself, yeah, I'll stomach myself through you know thirteenth grade of whatever history class or math class I have to take. And it's like like people say scruffic and stuff like that. And when I got like cause I I did I went to Suffolk first before I went to Oswego and I was like and I got the acceptance. I was like, hey I got accepted to Suffolk and then they're like nobody gets denied from Suffolk and I'm like I'm like Well that's oh. the thing. When the the year we started going to Suffolk was the year right after the recession. Mm-hmm. So everyone was like oh my god, all this money I had saved up for college, my parents now don't have any more because they lost it all on the stock market. Because it was their 401k tied in with it. Yeah. So there was this massive uh, surplus of students at Suffolk, and I remember my parents being worried, you better sign up for your classes early, otherwise they're all going to get filled up because everyone is going to community college now that they can't afford a four-year school. Mm -hmm. And it's like not to, to, to shoot on Suffolk or anything like that, but like... When it comes to like say parking, for example, like oh, it's yeah. gotten to the point like people are, like oh, like people parking on the grass and stuff like that. My girlfriend, because like she was there at Suffolk after we had left, and it only got worse. So the parking situation. So to go to to confirm what you're saying about the the influx of influx of people going there. Now, this is about the time when we actually really met because. I went to Sage North as well, and I saw you, like, we passed each other in the hallway because we both had the radio station. We both were working at the radio station at the same time. I think time. your show was right before mine on yes, Friday afternoons. Because I would leave, I would go in like, all right, Mr. Law, I'm out of here, and you would always be talking to him, and I'd just be like, how you doing? And we didn't really have a conversation or anything like that. It wasn't until, like, my first real broadcasting class with Bernstein, it was radio production, and it was yourself, myself, <laughs> Lee, and I think... <laughs> Maybe Jimmy Canale was in there with us. Jimmy Canale was there. Jill Murphy was there. Um, <laughs> boy, I could go through a bunch of names if you want. <laughs> and so get there. And Al, being a veteran of the broadcasting arena for years and years, imparted all of his experiences, all the things that all the the pitfalls that could happen with us, as well as all the real world education that we really needed. Now. What were your like some of your favorite moments at Suffolk when it comes to the broadcasting program, whether it be certain classes or projects or just group interactions? Um, let me think. I'm trying to remember a couple of our like really early radio projects. Um, I think there was oh, there was definitely one like. Late in the the semester when we had that first class with Al, which mm-hmm. was radio production, which I was like, okay, I know this already. Yeah. Um, and our project was we had to take um, do an interview with someone and do like a two minute news package on that person, event, or thing. Right. And at the time, I was still hopping out at SHR, um, and it was after a basketball game that I had. So I'm like, all right, I'll do an interview with a coach, and then I'll go home. Um, 
and then I'll do a little voiceover and like do my package on this game. And I think it was a Sachem East girls basketball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a had a really good basketball program for for the past five ten years or so. Right. Um, and they actually lost that game. And I remember talking to the coach, and he gave me incredibly good answers. And I'm like, yes, this is going to be like a perfect, um, perfect little piece, mm-hmm. two minutes long exactly. And I got an A on the project. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can I can definitely fit in here. Right. And I remember I messed like I. Because I remember the first like radio project, the final project, like I, I like he said, like just get it to me when you can. Where like it was like other things that was going on at the time, and like I didn't get back to him like months later, like almost before the following semester was about to start. So I'm just like, all right, here you go. And so that's one of those things that like Al, I'm always in, indebted with Al is because <laughs> of something like that. Now the following semester is when we start TV production yeah. because there's always start in the spring and not the fall because we like to wean out the people in radio who are not true believers as it were for stan lee and this is the only like this is the first time you really had any tv production experience because you really did you do any ad hosher at all no i i had no idea anything about television production before i stepped into suffolk and what is your initial reactions to the studio and the facility that we had at 24 hours a day practically my first thought was this will just be like radio except with pictures which <laughs> which is how probably people pitched it back in, in the late 1940s yeah. <laughs> which i mean you know when you put it as simply as that yeah it 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 pretty much is that but there is so much more that goes into making um a television production radio is really simple Real, especially for like a sports broadcast you could get it done literally with one person, yeah. If you get there early enough to set up and break down the equipment, mm-hmm. um, television you need you need everyone working and you need everyone focused because otherwise things go bad really quickly and things can just spiral out of control. Uh, I I'm not sure how well you remember the first couple of times that class had um. Stu- um Suffolk scene run-throughs. Yeah, they were a little rough to be polite about it. Was it bad? That's It was not, it was good, not good, that's for sure. <laughs> all right, all right, enough, enough of this bullshit. A cut, 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 everybody on the floor. What's wrong with you? Pull your heads out of your ass. Let's do it again. Now, come get me when you're ready. And you go, and Al would go back down to his office, and we'd be like, oh, like a bunch of dogs with our tails between our legs, like, Okay, Karish, I think we should uh, let's try it again. And as, as TV production went, it was my first because I was film only, didn't want to have anything to do with TV because I, I was very snobbish at the time. And it's like one of those things that like I drank the Kool Aid pretty much because we all all became so engrossed in television production, and then went with our final projects, which my first like TV project was Eric Eck was my partner, and we did it on the. Centerish Firehouse, I think. That's what we end up doing it on. Still with Eric <laughs> in front of the fire truck. Same shot with without, him, without him in front of the fire, fire. Uh, And so stuff it goes, and you start doing actual broadcasts of the Suffolk Games. How did that come about originally? Um, it started 
my uh, the spring semester the the semester we took the first television course and mm-hmm. I had a game um I think right after class so I dressed up in like you know shirt and tie ready for a broadcast and Bernstein goes Cirillo why are you wearing that stupid shirt and tie for? <laughs> I'm like, I got to do a broadcast for Sachem Radio, and we have a game right after this. And they're like, oh, you do, uh, you do sports broadcasting. We might have a need for you next year when we get our remote truck and start doing some games. So come talk to me sometime soon. So I made like a little demo reel of a game I did at SHR, and it was like, this is pretty good. We could definitely use you. Mm-hmm. So um, that uh, spring, they got their first remote truck, which pretty much was just a gutted out little van mm-hmm. with uh, some control panels in it and a switcher and a graphics machine that you could run a show out of. Right. And our first broadcast was of the Suffolk graduation in the spring of 2010 which was my first time being really on a television crew for it and I think I I think I was on a camera that day like just some rando camera mm-hmm. um, and it was the coolest thing I, I've ever been uh, I had ever been a part of in terms of television and it's one of those things is like because right now my second job is at a company called new line where we handle archiving and highlights of like the nhl nba nfl as well as a myriad of other sports where it comes to sometimes high school college or international sports and one of those things that like makes it fun is it's the countdown before the broadcast mm-hmm. begins and the, the tension does does ratchet up you're like all right we're ready we're going we're going we're going and we're live and then you're you get yourself into that mode they're like all right we're on right now so i got to be on there and then as soon as it's over then you had that immediate release go on the most tense moment i've ever had in like broadcasting especially sports broadcasting is right before a big game they're playing the national anthem the place is silent and you're just like going through everything in your head mm-hmm. to make sure that you have everything ready for a good broadcast and just like all right points per game this player scores this many points this player does well on defense you're just like going through that constantly and you're just like so focused and then the anthem ends and you're just like all right you're on air mm-hmm and it's like, all right, let's do this. Right. And much like how like, you'd say, like, actors, like, like, all right, I have an objective to do this, and this is what I have to do. I have to convey this information and report on it to the people who are not watching the game, whether it be a sports broadcast or maybe it's going out on radio and who have to paint them a picture of what just happened and what is going on and what is the outlook look for these two teams that are combating for the win. Now, not saying we're going back to the remote van, not saying that it, it was no slouch or anything like that. It was still able to pull up really impressive broadcasts. It was just a very rudimentary version of it. And now, two, like two years go by, and you're thinking about going off to get your bachelor's. What schools are you considering at the time? Um, really, I had, I think when I first... Um... When I first went to Suffolk, 
my first thought is the next place I'll go is Stony Brook just because it's local. Mm-hmm. It's not that expensive. And it's got a pretty good journalism program. Um, and then the more I was around Suffolk, the more I was around Al, the more all my classmates were like getting on board into the Suffolk program and starting to think about where they would be going next, which was Oswego, the more I started getting sold on Oswego. And I asked Al about this, I think, um, the middle of uh, the second fall semester I was there. Right. Where should I go after this? And he goes, you should go up to Oswego and you should just be a dominant part of that television program. Now, the reason why so many of us have gone to Oswego is because Suffolk Community College has an articulation agreement between our major here on the island and the broadcasting major and the communications major upstate, which... And we have such good relations. That's why we all migrate up there like a bunch of nomads looking for land. And so, and I was sold on it, but like it was not my only school I looked at. I looked at SUNY Purchase because they had a really good film program and it's two train rides away from being home. I take one train down to Grand Central, walk over to Penn, and then I'll be home. It's like an hour and a half tops versus six hours. And, like, I always say it, and it's the, it always cracks people up, like, how far is Oswego? I'm like, it's quicker to get to my family in Annapolis, Maryland, than it is for me to get to school. And you're like, and that's near the Mason-Dixon line. I, I know, like, a lot of people in Maryland, oops, sorry, I hit your mic stand. They're like, no, we're not that south. Mm, you're pretty yeah, close. Pretty <laughs> you have to go through Delaware. That's you're like the minor leagues of the south. And, like, I was saying about Delaware, like, Delaware is the most boring state in the united states I drove through dover i'm like oh this doesn't, is the capital doesn't lewins have relatives in in delaware yes oh. and you know what like oh <laughs> sucks some fright so <laughs> all right you agree to go to suffolk you send in your application when do you hear back from them oh boy oh it was kind of strange because um when i applied there for the fall of 2011 Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they understood that I was a transfer student and there was a, a problem with my transcripts and how I filled out the application. So like, I remember this. They didn't think I was a, a transfer, even though I sent them my transcripts. Um, and through like the process back and forth between phone conversations and letters sent back and forth like no there was like what's a good way of phrasing this communication yeah there was no new real communication between like what they knew and what I thought they knew yeah so I thought I had everything sent in and they sent me a letter back in like mid-July saying we still need all this stuff from you and you haven't been accepted yet. And, you know, it's like getting to be, you know, six months, four weeks away, you know, six weeks, four weeks away from uh, the start, for, from the start of the semester. So I'm like, you know, this is cutting it really close. Yeah. Let me just wait and um, take a semester off. I'll save up some money. I'll work, you know, pretty much full time 
and they'll go up in the um, in the spring semester. And ironically, literally a week before I said, uh, a week after I told myself I would wait, I get a thing in the mail saying, hey, you've been accepted for the fall semester. I'm like, you idiots. <laughs> now, with that acceptance letter in mind, did you quickly think like huh maybe i should go and fall or were you f- like fully committed to the point like let me just wait no but by, by that time i had been i had just come to a decision saying i'm just gonna wait mm-hmm. and i had no problem with it my family had no problem with it okay. and really financially speaking it was the best uh it was the best choice and i and i, I totally remember that and i'm just like because i remember i was scratching my head because because I went from – the reason why I think I was there a semester longer is because there was one class, which I did mess up and had to retake, as well as my other classes, like getting all the history and sciences, math out of the way. And because that's why we went up in the same semester. And so you pack up everything. You head north. You get to us. We go, did you visit beforehand? I did. Actually, time hop reminds me oh God. that it was four years ago this weekend I made my first trip up to Oswego. Wow. Yeah. I went up there with my mother and uh, my grandmother on her side. Right. Um, we stayed at the best restaurant on the other side of the the canal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a really surprisingly warm October weekend, like seventy five degrees. And I had packed for like, you know, 50 degrees, 40 degree nights. Yeah. And we were just like, the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, look at, you look at your compass like, what? This is us. We go, this is like this Long Island. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was warmer in Oswego that weekend than it was on Long Island. Which would not be the only time that's happened that's because true. like there's a few times like I look like I look at the Facebook says is my my family down here like it's so cold today and I'm like I'm I'm north I'm more north than you and I, yet I am very warm right now. I don't know what's going on. The, the first I think the first weekend we were fully up there like we had 6 inches of snow, but like Long Island got dumped with like I think a foot and a half the first week we were up there. So mm-hmm. it was yeah, and it's funny because <clears throat> my mom hated the cold and stuff like that. So that's why she only came up twice. Once when I moved in for the first time, and when I moved out for the last time, because she didn't <laughs> want to deal with the weather, and she had my dad come and get me every semester, or at the end of every like tenure and stuff like that. And so we both go up, we have our orientation and stuff like that, and then either you texted me or I texted you, hey. I just met you, and this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a weird song when we first started going there. Yeah, so that, that's that's a weird way of bookmarking oh, uh, of time. Um, and I remember the first night, because we went up a Thursday, the orientation was on a Friday, because most transfer students go there a few days early to get settled in before the returning students come back. The first Friday we were there, you, Lee, and I met up together, and what did we do? We went to an Oswego hockey game. Yeah, it was us and the townies, practically. Yeah, because the the regular students hadn't arrived back at campus yet. So we got we actually got to the game, like, I think it was the middle of the first period, and we showed our ID cards. And usually, you know, for those who aren't aware of um, Oswego hockey, it literally is everything the town has to live for. 
not saying it's a bad thing or anything like that. Not to, like to say anything is really terrible about the town, but it's like uh, the, it's, what we said the school. The, the school. The school carries the town. I yeah, feel. it's like I mean, it's it's not you know the most financially sound town, and there is a lot of other problems, unfortunately, with it. So like crystal ha- meth being one of them. <laughs> high alcoholism yeah. rates as well. Um, so to be a part of, you know, one of the few bright spots of, of the town was encouraging. But the night we got there, the auditorium or, or the the student center, and I refuse to call it the Morano Campus Center. Because, because it was that not was, named there or when you were there. Not, yeah. The student center, like the campus center was half empty and we ended up getting like the best seats in the house, like five rows back right behind the Oswego attacking goal. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that like, like I never went away to camp for during summers or anything like that. Yeah, I never, and like I never lived away from home. So and like the most, I maybe slept over a friend's house for a night or something mm-hmm. like that. That was like the biggest extent of me not sustaining. Yeah, I hated own. doing that. I was, a f- <laughs> I was, I was someone that did not like being away from home unless it was like with my grandparents. Right. And so first weekend is not just, I don't want to say a cultural shock, but it is one of those things that's like jumping into the deep end is sort of things like, all right, sink or swim to see how, like how you can adapt to those kind of environments. My first night I spent in Oswego, I was, um, my dad stayed at the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stayed in one thirty S Cayuga hall. <laughs> And I remember just, like, having the worst time imaginable setting up my Wi-Fi for my laptop. It was just, like, I had to install some antivirus program, and it just wouldn't install onto my computer. And I was like, this is, like, terrible. This is a horrible start. What the hell am I doing? Right. And all of a sudden, I, I don't even know how, but, like, on... The fifth install attempt, it magically worked. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I could get on the internet. I could talk to people again. I was like, oh, my God, this isn't going to suck. Just, uh, like I still have, I can still have connected connection to the modern world, so yeah. to speak, through via technology. Now, regular students come back, and who is your roommate? Chase Kilmer, practically the nicest guy you will ever meet. Yes, I mean, like, you can trust your grandmother with him. Yeah. Like, like that, like that, and he's such a sweet guy, and will... If like you need, if he like if you're going out, and you need somebody to look out for you. He's the perfect guy yeah. there. And if my life were ever on the line, luckily at Oswego it never was. No, but we thought was... at one time it was. We'll get to there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. But, but on chase, yeah, he is the person I I would trust the most out of anyone to save anyone's life and he has come pretty close to doing so on multiple occasions so i mean and but then again you had already you had already emailed your emailed him and stuff like that and had a little bit of like a pen pal relationship before you got there right yeah the i actually did not i was super nervous about my roommate because i was you know me and people Sometimes it's not the best mix. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, and as we were getting closer to move-in day, like, I hadn't gotten my room assignment yet. So I'm, like, 
freaking out because we're getting to like a week before I'm supposed to move in, and I don't know where I'm where I'm going to be living yet, and I'm super nervous. Finally, I get. I was, like, checking every hour on the hour on the Oswego website. Like, finally I get the assignment. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God I have a place to stay now. <laughs> um, and I get the roommate, and it's like, Chase Kilmer. I'm like, that's a interesting name. Yeah. Not There's not too many Chases that no. I've ever heard of, yeah. let alone no personally. Um, <clears throat> and... In the little email thing that they sent you concerning your roommate, they gave you, like, a, a link to his email address. So I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Jordan Hurt. I'm like, hey, I'm your new roommate. You know, 22 from Long Island. Be nice to room with you. If you want to, you know, connect with me on Facebook, here you go. Right. So. You did the smart thing. I, I like, I got my room assignment with Infinel. And I, I got my roommate, Ed Flouten, and I'm just like, all right, we'll see how that goes and stuff like that. And then move-in day, like, he didn't move in until later in the day, and I went out and came back, and he was already moved in. But luckily, like, him and I hit it off and everything like that, and we we still been friends and stuff like that. But it's like, it's one of those things that like, you played it smart, so you at least you could feel Chase out before you met him. The funny thing was, um, I sent him an email, and... I heard back from him, but it was the night I had a basketball game for SHR. So I really wasn't, like, checking Facebook at all. Mm-hmm. And so I wake up the next morning, and apparently my mom had, like, creeped out on his Facebook. <laughs> and and she goes, oh, so you and Chase are going to be, like, the best friends. You're into the same music. You're into Lord of the Rings. I'm like, <laughs> Mom, I haven't checked the – I haven't seen anything yet, like – You've creeped on them before I have. <laughs> How do you feel? I'm like, she goes like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to apologize for what I've done. No, I was looking out for you. But it, it was great. I, I mean, that really reassured me a lot because, I mean, the horse, and we could we could actually get a really good conversation at, about this out of we. If you have a bad roommate, Things could be really strange. Yeah, I mean, like from Lee and my own personal experiences, to yeah. a certain extent, anyway. My second, uh, my, my, no, my third roommate, because I've had four roommates, because one moved out, the other one I had for a year until he graduated, and then I had a third one where I moved to a different building, and then the following semester I moved to a different one, and because. I, I hated walking to Cayuga like every night and like walking back at three in the morning when we finally broke apart whenever our group was together. And then my third roommate, not a bad guy or anything. That just made things slightly uncomfortable. I mean, not like doing lines of cocaine off of a um, desk or anything like that. I'll, I'll let you imagine whose roommate that could be. And so Monday comes as your first day of classes. What were your classes for your Monday schedule? Oh, boy. Or at least, and like for your schedule for that semester. First class, Monday morning, nine oh five in the morning, or something like that. Nine, nine ten. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, broadcasting and communicate, broadcasting and cable. Mahar Hall, Jason Zenner. Ah. Uh, How you doing, Mister Surulu? 
<laughs> he sent us an email actually the weekend before class began. He's like, here's what we're talking about for class on Monday. And it was like, imagine you're like a producer for the Oprah Winfrey Network. Mm-hmm. How would you program the network? And he split us up into groups the first minutes of the class. And we had to come up with like, you know, talk show ideas, topic ideas, you know, stuff like that. I was like, oh, this could be fun. Yeah, because he at least he gave you the box of the Oprah Winfrey network. If he said just any network, that'd be too many variables to give and stuff like that. He, One thing is that you say about Zenner, because he's been mentioned on this podcast before, like at least he wants you to be proactive, yeah. whether it be in class discussion or class projects like that. He was one of the best professors I've had at Suffolk. Uh, at, uh, excuse me, at Swigo. Um, and I was fortunate enough to take two classes with him. And in, in each one of the classes, it was all topic oriented. Like, uh, well, broadcasting cable, uh, the first half of it was like mostly lecture based, but he gave us really good projects, mm -hmm. um, for us to work with, like, you know, design your own. Um, cable network, right? Or you know, base a um one half of a season long um show, television show, based on I think our topic was a YouTube video sensation. Okay. Um, which were great ideas. The class itself was more or less what we went through. You and I when we took um. Uh, Headstrom's class uh, oh, yeah. intro broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty much, you know, just getting refed the information, which made, you know, the tests, you know, really easy for me. Yeah. Not, it's not like the same questions, but the same but kind of idea. Same, same principles. Yeah. And so it's more like rather than I need to study, it's just I need to refresh myself and just like stretch those muscles more to extend. Mm -hmm. And another class that I know you took in your sec, your like, if I remember correctly, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays because we were in it and yes. it was with who? Terry. Well, was, no, no, was Terry our first semester? Yeah. Oh, well, then it was two classes then because we had Terry in the morning. Yep. And then we had Ruddy in the afternoon. That's correct. We had Terry at like. I have to always thought it was fall. I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. I apologize, everybody. Uh, we had Terry Tuesdays and Thursdays at like 12:45. Mm -hmm. Then I had a break. You had another class to go to, and then we had um. Ruddy with Lee also, and Aaron Hollander in the back of the class, another Suffolk clown. Oh, and yeah. Clown being Clown Mason. taken quite literally yes. in that context. Um, at, I think, like... Four-ish? 420? Yeah. Uh, There's like... Three, I think it was, for all intents and purposes, four o'clock. Because we got out, and it was practically dinner time. And my first semester, my scheduling was not the greatest because Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had one class, which is aimed early in the morning. So, like, after 11 o'clock, I was done. I can do whatever I want. And just the bad thing is I took five classes that semester. So, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I had four classes in a row, Ruddy being the last one and usually being pretty drained by the end of the day from going from one subject to another and, and another, not another. Um, and getting to Ruddy's class, not saying it was really difficult or anything like that, but, like, much like Xander has a certain expectancy for every student, like most professors should have. Mm -hmm. And the class was 
American politics? Yes. And I remember one occasion, uh, a student came in late, and Ruddy was ripping him a new one, and I came in late after him, but he was so distracted by the fact he was yelling at the first student, he did not notice me collapse in my seat in between you and Lee. And it collapsed being the word, uh, because I literally just like, like, I think I may have nodded off at least once or twice in that class. Not saying that's bad, but... Well, he he had a very different, um, not like, di- well, different from Zenner yes. teaching method. It was mostly lecture-based, especially um, the American politics class. He's another professor I was able to have a second class with. Um, I took New York State politics with him mm-hmm. in my final semester there. But um, the American politics class was huge lecture hall. 80 students, very difficult for a professor to get a sense of, you know, every student in his class and, you know, what they really bring to the table. So he really appreciated, you know, the people that sat up towards the front the first, you know, couple of rows like we usually did. And as well as, like, if after class, like, most professors, like, they're packing up the things and a handful of students, like, who are too nervous to speak up in class like and say have, like, a one-on-one session, even if it's, like, for a minute or stuff. Like, everybody would definitely give a sign. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, no, I got to do stuff and disappear into the revolving door of cl- of classrooms, Classes, entrances yeah. that, that were in that building. And there's another interesting thing about Ruddy is that, like, he had, he had came, he grew up in Maryland, correct? Yes. But he lived in upstate New York, so he had that – I think it was Lee that kind of summed it up, that he has a – conservative upbringing but a liberal mind so we yes. had that kind of sense of duality when it came to politics in that class and i thought that was a really interesting take because it was like some things that would be contradictory that you think to his character like huh i wasn't expecting that kind of a statement from him and then there's that one cat person decided to say something about like obama being a terrible president and then ruddy uh ran him to the ground with uh, statistics and reasons why he's not such a bad guy now your first semester, did you join WTOP, the TV station, at that time? Um, kind of, but sort of just in like, um, just like helping out with hockey broadcasts. Um, because no one really knew me up there, and I'm not the I'm not the type of person to go up to like a random group of people and say, "Hey, look, I'm really good at." sports broadcasting put me on air. So I was just like, yeah, I'll do whatever you need. Right. And I'd be like on camera for, um, you know, a broadcast. I did audio one day for, for them. Um, so it was a whole lot of behind the scenes stuff, which, you know, comes very much in handy in television because like I said, there were so many opportunities as opposed to radio where it's just, you know, on air, someone to run the board, and you could get by pretty much with that. So, like in television, you want to be able to do everything. So I was just like, yeah, whatever you need me for, I'll do. And because of everything I had done at Suffolk, I was comfortable enough with saying, yeah, I can work a camera. Yeah, I could, you know, run an audio board mm-hmm. if you need me to. Yeah, I could do, you know, pretty much whatever you need me to. And the first semester comes to an end. What are your, like some of your favorite memories after your first semester there? Hmm. 
Um, I'll give you one like profession related. I'll give you one like socially okay. related. Um, professionally, that was the year um, Oswego basketball made the Division Three uh, national tournament, which runs pretty much the way the um, the Division One. March Madness right. uh, tournament run. 64 schools make it. Mm-hmm. The only difference is if you're a top four seed uh, in your bracket, you get to host all the games. Right. Uh, for like the first and second round. Oswego was a four seed in their uh, bracket that year. So they got to host... Um, I'm trying to figure out how many games that would actually be. They got to host eight games over two days. Um, so, and WTOP had... Wait, eight? No, hold on. Let, no, no, let me get this right. <laughs> how many bodies there, Greenlee? Uh, eight. eight. Ah, ah, shit, shit. I forgot one. Nine. Nine. Nine? <laughs> when Greenlee's going out for bagels. Does anybody else want anything? Shit. <laughs> Alright, hold on. While he talks when he works his way through that one. One of those like my favorite memories of Justin and I's experiences up there was I think uh Oh, that happened in our first semester. Uh, Chase, Justin, and I decided to go to Ruby's down the road from off campus, which is kind of like the ice cream shop that's right off, like it's within walking distance. And it's like, hey, you want to go there? Sure. And on our way back, since they lived in a corner room and stuff like that, and there's a, and on the first floor, the, the room above them had their windows open, and there was a couple having sex, and they had they had climaxed, and like the woman like belted out the window, not literally, she didn't like finish that. She was like, oh, I'm done with life, and jumped out the window. She was like. <laughs> Bad sex. <laughs> yeah, that she's willing to sacrifice that herself. No, she like yelled at, oh, that was the best one ever. And then the three of us was like, <laughs> I know they heard us with that one. And it was like one of those things that I'll always remember for being up in Oswego with Justin. Now, Justin, have you remembered the right number of games? Yeah, it's, um, Okay, that okay. That's what had me confused. It was um It was I can't remember. Why can't I Well it was Because I think there were two double headers, but I can't be Maybe I was wrong. I don't know. Anyway Anyway. Anyway, Oswego makes the tournament. They host the first couple of games. Um, first night is they play the late game in the doubleheader. And I think they played some random school like Eastern Connecticut State or some, you know, random school. Doesn't matter. I mean, I mean like in the grand scheme of yeah. things right there. They're down... 20 points 10 minutes to go in the in the game and everyone is like well it was a good season 
but uh, just ran into a better team. They come back. Ooh, I'm sorry. I hit the mic stand again. Apologies. Hit the post with a shot. Thanks, Doc. Um, down 20 points. Come all the way back. Tie it. Get it into overtime. Overtime! They're, sorry. They're down again in overtime with like a minute left. <clears throat> come back. Tie it up. And then they have two free throws at the end of that overtime period with like half a second on the clock. Basically, he hits one shot. Game's over. That's the best player at the line. Mm -hmm. Bricks them both. Double overtime. They fall behind again. um, And they come back in the last minute and win the game by like two, three points. Mm -hmm. On to the next game, which is the following night. Um, and again, they're down 20 points, 10 minutes left. Everyone's like, oh, this is definitely it. They come back again, tie it, send it into overtime, tie game at the end of the first overtime period, double overtime. Oswego hits like a jump shot to put him up by two with four seconds left. There aren't that many sellouts at the gymnasium mm. there, um, but this was one of them. Everyone is on their feet. Other team dribbles the ball up the court. Three seconds, two seconds, one. Lifts up a prayer of a jump shot from probably 26 feet away. Mm-hmm. Excellent defense but from Oswego. They did nothing wrong. And the kid just drills the shot. Three-pointer with like a second left. That's how Oswego's season ends. Just before the National Sweet 16. Now, and what were you doing during this broadcast? What position were you? I was the cameraman for that game. Okay. That was cool. Because I think we had three a rare three-camera setup for that game. So, like, you had to be on your toes. And it's like one of those things when we say rare is because... Because we have to have used the mobile cart to get our, all the equipment out there to the gymnasium. It's not as easy as doing a hockey game where we have several cameras set up and all the time, every game. So had that kind of opportunity presented there, it's one of those rare things. Now, you said you had also social story was a fair moment in your first semester. What was that? Um, I think it, it probably, you know, there were... A, Obviously, a lot of great nights, but I think, you know, the first time, the first weekend we had with the hallway that I was in, like, filled up. And, like, we had, like, a really um, family-type thing in that that hallway Mm -hmm. where Chase and I lived and you were pretty much you know, an adopted yeah. member of the hallway because you were always with us. And, you know, we had, you know, all the girls down the hall, Julie, Ashley, a whole bunch of them. Um, <laughs> There's one you have not named. Uh, There's some I'm, I'm not going to name. And <laughs> frankly, they don't deserve to be named. Like, for all of our friends out there, one of them being, we have a nickname for her, it's just 
spread eagle <laughs> anybody who knows that joke is probably just just wincing and while listening to this going ferica oh i was being a little subtle about it but now you threw that into the gamut and so yeah so you have like one of those best nights everybody's there go on um and were you ever there when we just like sat around drank a couple of beers and played phase 10 not often because I phrase ten was a was a staple first semester. Yeah, I I don't think so because I don't think I really played it. And so I was like, all right, I'm not gonna do that. So I'm just gonna probably hang out in my hall and stuff like that because I wasn't a Doctor Who fan yet. But like, I have obviously Netflix subscription. I was watching something. I was probably marathoning Law and Order for the bazillionth time. So, dun dun. <laughs> I was I was trying, like it was before earlier today. I was thinking like. Like, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is, like, Batman the Animated Series, that's my number one, Lone Order being number two, Who being three, then maybe Buffy and Firefly being four and five. What were you going to say? Speaking of Law and Order, nothing was more, like, not annoying, but just, like, irritating than times getting sexiled by Lee second semester there mm-hmm. and having to spend the night down the hallway in the Cole's room who slept with the TV on, and Law and Order reruns on the TV, just going, dung dung, at like, you know, four in the morning when you're trying to sleep. Well, but also, that's the weird thing, that only gets, that was Law and Order SVU. Yes. Which I, I don't really, I, I understand, but I just feel like, that's the special victims, you know, that's like, does with, with sexual assaults kind of crimes, I just find it odd that so many women uh, our age, that are fans of that show, Despite the subject matter, maybe it's because a lot of the times the victims get justice. I guess that's a very empowering thing. It's something that I've always, I couldn't wrap my head around. And I'm just like, there was one comedian talking about making fun of Law and Order. Like, yes, that's why the homicide police, the murder police are talking to you about the, a woman in past tense. And I was thinking, like, that's what the rape police are talking to you about, this woman in the past tense. So... Your social experience is going off really well. What's the, what's the thing you think you should have done better in your first semester? Um, probably be more involved with the with the TV station. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially like we, I was like the really the only Suffolk person that was involved with the TV station, so it was kind of hard to fit in mm-hmm. it's like when, when I'm with a group of people who I know pretty well I mean it's it's easy yeah it, yeah um, and that's actually you know it's a blessing that the everyone who started going to Oswego after us sort of had was like they had already been like established like you know okay we know Suffolk people are gonna be good people mm-hmm. so like you know they went up there the first day they fit in pretty well. Yeah, I, I don't want to say like make it sound like if they broke the glass ceiling or anything like that, but it was definitely one of those things that I, for the longest time, I never felt comfortable being part of TOP because I was never, for the longest time, never directly involved with TOP before like my second to last semester when I had my own TV show up there. Whenever I was there just seeing you guys before you guys went on the air while you doing sports or news that night and just hanging around, I always felt like, one, A, being the redhead anyway in the room, and then also like not being the true, like the person who's not directly involved, I always felt like like the odd man out and stuff like that. But then, of course, I became friends with people there like Jeremy Long, Dan I, Blaze, Blaze. Matt Stone, etc., etc. And so... 
first semester ends, you go home. You did the smart thing. You took online classes that summer. Oh, yes. Yeah. And was that just a financial reason or just like you wanted to get out of there quicker? It was. Uh, I definitely didn't want to get out of there quicker. Um, but it, it was. It made more sense financially to, like, you know, spend the money taking online classes. That way you don't have to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for another semester. Right. So I took two online classes um, in the summer of 2012. Um, Richard Pettit, I think, was the professor's name. I never met him when I was up at Oswego, but I got like an A and a B plus in his class, so I was quite happy with my online class experience. So fall of 2012 is upon us. You go back up there. What are your classes like? It was strange because it was a very light semester. Mm-hmm. Um, due to the fact you took the online classes? Partly due to that and partly because it took, I think it took all of us, like you, me, and Lee, just a long time to um, do our schedule for the following semester. Because you remember we ran into trouble, like, because we had um, to schedule an appointment with our advisor, who was chronically unavailable, it seemed. Which I thought, I, I could have sworn I saw him at Comic-Con yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. And I'm just like, I'm like, is that is that him? Because I went to the uh, Dark Knight uh, uh, 3 panel yesterday at New York City Comic-Con 2015 where Frank Miller, Jim Lee, and several other representatives of DC were talking about the third Dark Knight book that Frank Miller is a, a part of. And I thought I saw my our advisor there, and I'm like, uh, if that's him, I should clobber him with the chair right now because I think that would be the most appropriate thing to deal with him. I'm not saying he's a bad advisor. I just say he's a little bit of a lackluster advisor when it comes to scheduling. Yeah, there was one night in my second semester where Lee and I went to his office at like 7 in the evening, and... Right before that, Lee was like not the happiest person. No, <laughs> in the room. I, like, I, I, remember, I remember this. I mean, to be to be fair, everything I heard from the Oswego students who were four year students who had taken class with him and had been advised uh, by him before said he was you know really good. So maybe we just were like I don't know. Because Al did our scheduling beforehand, so maybe we had a certain expectancy. That's that's true. I, I think we had like this expectancy that everything would be, you know, not taken care of, but like just a lot easier of a process. And because and the schedule we made in our first semester, we had uh, Professor Rear do our because we were all came in as communications, right. and then we had like the switch over to broadcasting the paperwork, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And going back to what you were saying before about like the mishap of your transfer, uh, your um, transcripts going up to Oswego, that was always a pain in the ass going down to the annex to make sure the material, like all of our stuff, like went from Suffolk to Oswego. I always yeah. thought that was not saying that's a even, bad thing. Go on. E- even when I graduated, I got um, my last semester. I got a letter from Oswego saying, "By the way, we still haven't gotten your." Um, uh, final transcript from Suffolk. Oh no! Oh no! This was a problem with Suffolk because I technically 
didn't graduate from them because I never applied for graduation there because I thought that meant you had to walk in the graduation, which I wasn't going to do. So I technically never graduated from Suffolk, so I had to graduate from there in order to get my diploma from Oswego. How'd that happen? You know how it's like when you finished up Suffolk, you had to hit apply for graduation? Yeah. Like, even though all your credits were, you know, solid, Yeah. it still wasn't like you've officially graduated. It's not like you hit 100% and it just automatically, oh, yeah, they give it to you, stuff like that, which which I understand. Really doesn't make sense. Like, I... I I don't really understand why it works like that. Shouldn't there be like kind of like an email or a notification of somebody who who is in charge of the graduation process? Like, all right, here's a list of the students that are eligible for graduation, and yeah. like, all right, I don't maybe you... maybe it was just a mistake on on my end. I, I have no idea. But so you you technically didn't graduate from Suffolk before you went to Oswego? Yeah. So what like? So you just like went to Suffolk.com, like the Suffolk website, and applied for graduation, and that was it? Yeah, I, I actually emailed Al about it, and he talked to someone at Suffolk, and he goes, okay, this is a real simple fix. Just apply for graduation, mm-hmm. and then once you get like the letter from Suffolk saying you've graduated, just mm-hmm. email Oswego it, and everything worked out. Okay. But it's really strange, because instead of, instead of like officially graduating – um, Suffolk in 2011, it says I graduated in 2013, which makes no sense. <laughs> so what do you do for your resume? Do you write 2013? I, I just say 2011. Okay. Because at that point, I, I don't think they would yeah. really bother t- checking. But so why would like, so what kind of class, why was it a light semester? Was it just the subject matter of the classes or is it, did you take five or four? I took four classes. Um... But all of all of them except for like intro to chemistry was like a level four hundred class. So um, I took a class on Beethoven, which good class, but unfortunately it was a three hour marathon class in the evening. <sighs> and you know, halfway through that, you're just like, all right, let me out of here. Like, I wish I was deaf right now, so I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> this kind of <laughs> malarkey. Yeah, so that seems a little bit of a tough class to get into. Uh, not, not, not to get into, but like, the right word to use is marathon. It's not like, all right, like, oh, show up, hour 20 minutes or 55 minutes. Yeah. It's like three hours of a, sl- a slog kind uh, a slog kind of uh, experience. If it had been like, you know, an hour and 15 minute class, it would have been great. Because half the time... We went um, over our reading assignment. The other half, we just listened to Beethoven music. So, I mean, it's not a bad way to spend class time. Um, And the tests were, like, really easy because they were essays, and I'm a good writer, so it just... I just always did well on the tests and papers. Now, was it like a study of like the actual notes of the compositions, or is it just like his life leading up to the actual writing of his symphonies? It was just like, you know, it was mostly about his life and really how it sort of mimicked how his 
career sort of mimicked the revolution uh, or revolutions and wars going on in Europe mm-hmm. around this time, the Napoleonic Wars. Right. Which, as a history uh, buff, I bought into that completely. Yeah. And my thesis paper that semester was actually just a comparison of Beethoven's life to to Napoleon's life. Uh, because, like, one thing you could say about art is it's reflective of the world around, whether it be, like, um, since I'm a big horror movie buff and stuff like that, and if you look at the times, like, like movie, like Wes Craven's like first movie, Last House and Left, like that's a direct reaction to what was going on in Vietnam War and what was happening stateside with our certain disillusion of it. Then you have like the 1980s where everything's excess, and then you have like certain movies like the, or like or like not horror movies, but like Wall Street is definitely an excess of it. Friday the 13th is like, like oh, we have so many kids, we have so many drugs, we're having so much sex, and then we're gonna be killed for it and stuff like that, <laughs> and how everything became really depressing afterwards. Now. Funny fact, I don't know, you may know this or not, but you know the riff for Smoke on the Water, right? Yes. It's Beethoven's fifth backwards. It's dun 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 backwards at a different tempo. Huh. That's interesting. Richie Blackmore, the guitar player of Deep Purple, studied classical guitar when he was a kid, and that's what he did. He played it backwards, and that's how... Yeah, and... if, you, if you look at, like, the many influences Beethoven has had on, on music, you'll find it... Everywhere from a Billy Joel song, mm-hmm. um, Super Mario World for the Super NES. The castle theme for that is based on his Moon Knight Sonata. Holy shit, I never noticed that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and somebody said, like, 200 years now, we'll still be listening to classical music. We may not be listening to what's on the top of the charts, but classical music, will, yeah. it's like one of those things that... Centuries have gone by and people will still listen to. Now, did you become more involved with TOP in your second semester? Yes. And what was and to to what extent were you working there doing and doing what? By the time of the second semester, I had I had obviously gotten to know everyone a lot more. And it started out I auditioned for um, a sports anchor spot on their news program, mm-hmm. and I got it. And it was it was actually really nervous, but like in a good way. When I had my audition, one of the things you had to do was you had to do a highlight read, mm-hmm. which is you know like a sports center type thing where they play highlights from a game, and you have to write um, just a you know the description of what happens in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was the Giants Cowboys football game the home opener mm-hmm. or yeah the home opener for um the Giants the first NFL game that year and I remember going I remember just like oh my god I've never done this before mm-hmm. like just a, one thing that I had never done mm-hmm. um but like I got through that and once I got through that and I knew I hadn't, like, you know, really screwed up badly, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I can I can definitely do this, do this. I, I was very confident afterwards mm-hmm. that I was going to be getting um, a spot. 
Um, and then we we also had to write like another story mm-hmm. as well. But um, uh, again, I, I I had experience with like writing for copy before, right? So it was it was pretty simple. Now, that semester comes to an end, and you know you have one semester left, despite the folly of our advisor. <laughs> What's your favorite? professional and social experiences there as you stated it in the previous semester um i'll never forget the first time i hosted a basketball pregame show mm-hmm. uh, for top because i in november basketball season started up and i was just like an analyst for them which is which is fun but like when you're the host when you're the host, you're <laughs> what like, do I know? I'm just an analyst. <laughs> it's better than an analropist. Oh, Tobias Funke. <laughs> Go on. I apologize for interrupting your story. But like when when you're when you're the host, not only are you just the host, but you're you're producing the entire pregame show. So you're looking at all the stats, mm-hmm. deciding. What your lead story is going to be, just deciding what player you need to spotlight. You need to know everything about the game, even more than the analysts do, because you need to direct them in the right directions right. where you want to go. And I remember working with Larry mm-hmm. and um, what's her name? Oh, she interns at ESPN. Blonde girl, Alicia. Uh, I can't. I can't remember her last name right now, and that's gonna piss me off. Yeah, great girl to work with. Right. Um, but yeah, and I think it was a girls' basketball game, which mm. I have a lot of experience doing from from SHR. So it's like, all right, it's gonna be simplest thing ever, and really, I spent like, I think I woke up at like. 8 o'clock that morning to do my prep work. Right. So I had three hours to work with. And it was just as smooth as it could have went. And mm-hmm. I was I was really proud of it. And your favorite social memory of that semester? Wow. That's, uh, that's an interesting semester. Because the first semester we had, it was basically just you, me, we, a little bit of Jimmy Kinnow, a little bit of I'll pick this name up. Yeah. <laughs> August Alba. Oh my god. <laughs> totally, f- <laughs> totally forgot about For those him. who don't who forgot about August Alba, I'm twenty six right now. When he was going to Oswego, he was the age I am now. Really? I totally forgot about that. Last I heard like when he left school and he went to Boston yeah. and I don't know what's happened since. No idea what's happened to him since. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, second uh, the the fall semester, everyone from Suffolk came up to us. We go right. Um, Larry, Tom, Chris Cams, who we found out last night is it's, indeed uh, still alive. Yeah, despite the universe's best efforts. <laughs> <laughs> 
because Larry texted me in the middle of the night. I think I'd already passed out by that point. And then you texted me this morning once we, we agreed on the, the upon time to do this podcast. And I was like, holy crap, I haven't, I haven't heard about Chris Camps forever. Because, like, I guess his experience last week was not the one he was most mad at saying, not happy about, but something like, all right, I've done it. I think I'm going to uh, go back home and rather do school there or what have you. The last text I got from him was like back in January. Oh, geez. And what was that? To hang out and never came to fruition? Yeah, it was like, let's get all the Oswego crew to hang out and it never happened. Oh, geez. Our lives suck now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one story when it came to, because Chase was not your roommate in your second semester, Lee, Lee was. was. There's one story that will forever be synonymous between you two. It's a very intimate one. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, all of our friends know. And let's just say it involves inebriation, nudity. Drunken shenanigans. And drunken shenanigans. <gasps> the, the wrong bed. And a fight for Uranus. You know what this, <laughs> you know what this night was? I'll never forget this because it was ended up being one of the worst nights for the Yankees in a very long time. Right. So it was game one of the American League Championship Series that year, uh, which is the night Jeter broke his ankle yes. in the innings. Um, and I was not feeling good that night anyway, but I hung around the room, had had a couple of drinks, and then I went to bed. The Yankees were like losing four to nothing. So it's like, yeah, this game's a loss, whatever. They come back, they tie it. I'm asleep in my room, and it's a rainy night. So, uh, and Lee had gone out uh, to a frat party. Mm-hmm. So, we, so I, I'm, I'm lying in my room, passed out, half sick, half a little still tipsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really tired on those terrible Oswego beds. <laughs> and I hear Lee come back into the room, and I hear Jaglin, who was this girl he was hooking up with at the time, come into the room. Mm-hmm. And I immediately just, like, fell back asleep. I'm like, okay, Lee's home. They get into bed. I mm-hmm. fall asleep. And I wake up, like, about an hour later, and I I hear like this water thing, and I'm like, oh, it must still be raining, <laughs> and I'm still tired, I'm still a little bit drunk, and all of a sudden I hear, no, we 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 no no, don't go to the bathroom there, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden I was just like, <laughs> and. I realize we're an audio-only thing. I just like really shocked face, really. shocked bloodshot eye. <laughs> you like those really uncomfortable close-ups of like SpongeBob with really weird animation when they do that. And imagine that kind of a shocked face, like Squidward's face when he realizes Patrick and SpongeBob are in the bed or something like that. Like that's the kind of face Justin just had on right yeah. there. It was it was very strange, um, but I'm like. Whatever, it's one in the morning. Derek Jeter just broke his ankle. I'm still drunk and tired. I'll deal with it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Go back into bed. Hour later, again, I wake up. 
and there's something crawling into my bed. <laughs> and at first, I'm like, what, what, uh, what? <laughs> and then continues to, like, try and climb into my bed. Finally, I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on? And I look up, and I can see in the darkness just this body, like, trying to climb into my bed. I'm like, I kick out my leg. I'm like, we, we, no, this is not your bed. No. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so sorry. <laughs> Goes back. I think he tried to climb into his bed. He might have ended up just giving up and sleeping on the floor. I don't remember all that well. I'm sure he doesn't remember. I don't. <laughs> um, and the next morning, I wake up, went to the bathroom. I text you. I'm like, we need to go to brunch. I need to leave my room right now. It was like, explain... it's, like, it's like 10 in the morning at that point. I'll... I had, I haven't just rolled over. I'll explain later. It'll be explained later. And I'm like, and I thought something bad happened. So I immediately like, oh, all right, I'm awake. Something bad happened. Let's go. And like, I run over there. Here's the story from last night. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Because more, like whoever I was with, brunch story time was always the best good or bad things could have been, always conveyed the following I miss morning story time story time was a great heroic time yes and then eventually lee obviously cleaned up the mess and everything like yeah. that that semester ends and <laughs> you come back for your final semester what are you feeling like going into your final semester i knew i had to enjoy it and make the most of it and so you come back what is your class schedule like? Is it a joke like the following, like the previous semester? No, and actually, it was. It was still relatively easy. What that's the thing about us. We go. I never had like a really like. Oh my god, what the hell is this schedule? Um, I never had Fridays off, but at the same time, all my Friday classes were like you know, late morning or early afternoon. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was it was a very very nice schedule to have. Um, I think my favorite semester might be my last semester there, mm-hmm. both um, class-wise and TOP-wise and socially, because that was the semester we got Mr. Jackson up there. <laughs> Chase was my roommate again. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I can, if I can just digress for a short moment. By all means, the biggest difference between having Chase and Lee as a roommate Mm -hmm. both terrific guys the room was a whole lot nicer when Chase was up there not to say anything bad about Lee or anything like that the thing is Lee and I are both like neither of us are going to like you know really put a whole lot of effort into cleaning up our room unless it needs to be. Yeah. So we would go like long extended periods of time where the room just looked like hell. It's one of those things that's like, it's a weird, like symbiotic relationship between you and your roommate. Like my first roommate, like very messy stuff like that. And my side was definitely cleaner of the two, but that doesn't mean like it was weird to clean and stuff like that. Second roommate, same. Like, no, like, he was really kept everything nice and clean, so I did the same. Third roommate, not so much. That suffered again. Fourth roommate, place was immaculate on his end, so I'm like, all right, now I got to have my side immaculate because I think it would just be a, I'd be a terrible roommate for anybody coming in and have to deal with that. I, I, I'm, look, I, I'm not, I'm not the, the 
neatest guy there is. My room is always, you know, at least a little bit messy, if not a lot. But for, uh, uh, but at least in, in my room, I'm the only one in there, and it's not like a place where five or six people, you know, are always hanging around. And like our room in 130s was. There were times that semester where we would have, you know, you, me, Lee, Larry, Tom, a whole bunch of people in the cams in there. And, <laughs> and the cams. <laughs> and it would just be like, oh my God, we can't move in here. This yeah. this room is just woof. Yeah. <laughs> woof, woof being the right operative oh, word there. Hey, woof. Hey, uh, ooh, a blooming <laughs> onion. By uh, the way, how, is, how have we gotten into it? Two hour or an hour long discussion, not mentioned you, Howard, yet. Well, I don't know. It's because, <laughs> like, like, I know, like, usually try to get out so we go pretty quickly in these podcasts and stuff like that. But since, like, you and I relationship go back so far, <laughs> it was like, of course, that's why it took us 45 minutes just to get to us. We go, and that's the subject matter of this podcast. So, like, some things were touched upon, some things weren't. So, we apologize, <laughs> Drew, if you're listening to this. Oof. Yeah. Um, what is your TOP status in your final semester? It was really well. It was really good. Um, by that time, I was uh, an analyst for uh, pre and post basketball games, and uh, I was working color commentator for a couple of women's basketball games. Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing was because I knew so much about Long Island high school basketball, especially on. The, the women's side of the game that like when these girls transferred to upstate colleges I could be like oh I remember this player when she was in high school and she won like three Long Island championships with this school or county championships with this school or she played her freshman season at this high school she broke her wrist and missed the playoffs so it was, it was really cool because I had that knowledge um, about a lot of the players that like you know, probably not a lot of commentators knew about. Well, because I know one thing that you did is like any student, like anybody, especially Sachem that went to any of the student schools that we covered, mm-hmm. you were still on good terms with all the coaches. So yeah. you would email them about just to get the lowdown of who, who's the better of the two, like these players, what's their downfall, something that you could highlight if it's still prevalent and they're playing today, which is like one of those things that like Jackson highlighted when I interviewed him that you're preparedness to any of the broadcasts that you were always on top of your game he's like this this guy's got a binder and everything he's got filled with information and i was like i guess i should i should i should bring more material to the table that's my terrible jackson impression right there and so it's obviously that obviously helped you when you were in oswego doing these games that and and just like you know i remember my final semester up there tuesdays were the first month of the semester when um, I had classes and basketball games on Tuesdays. They always played basketball games Tuesday nights for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would wake up at like 8 in the morning, do all my, do a little bit of preparation for uh, a basketball game, go to a class with Holt Forden. Yes. At 9.30. Great professor. Yes. I mean, not saying she's, like, she's, not saying she's tough or anything like that, but like most of the teachers we've highlighted thus far has the high expectancy yes. of their students. But it's also really rewarding if you if you are going to bring your A game. Right. 
one student that we've had a falling out with with our time there being a, a student in that class with Chair Fulton and like O Fulton, let's just say, um, did not prepare and was very lackadaisical, lackadaisical with his studies. If that's the right word I'm using, he lack lack lackadaisical. No, <laughs> Whoa. I was just make, trying to make sure I had the right adjective there to describe him. <laughs> By the well, way, there was a few expletives to describe him. What did did you see the the Facebook posts he made in the Suffolk uh, TV group page about maybe two weeks ago or so? I, I've like disconnected myself from that page for a while because I, I got sick of all like the memes and stuff like that. He put up like a link to a job posting for. Like a News 12 reporter. Mm -hmm. And he goes, if I had any on-air presence at all, I'd be applying to this because it's such a great opportunity and all this nonsense. And there's only one comment, and it's from Andy Hertzman, who's, yeah. who works there as a supervisor in the editing labs at uh, Suffolk. Mm -hmm. And the comment, just plain, simple, LOL. I'm like... Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, semester comes to an end. How are you feeling? Uh, I thought so. What is your favorite broadcasting moment and personal moment? <laughs> broadcasting moment definitely was the um, Suniac Tournament championship hockey game between uh, Oswego and Plattsburgh mm -hmm. that 4 nothing shutout um, it's reminded me they were shut out 2-1 to one. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> tall lakey like a velociraptor what was that idiot's name Sonny Goldbaum no Oh, the, the Velociraptor. No, <laughs> the, the, the Raptor com comment I think was his the two to one shutout. I forget the kid's name, but that was like one of the first things we talked about on the way up for that semester, and it was it was like a true knee slapper in every sense of the word. You know, it is probably my favorite or well, one of my favorite moments from that semester was the night because that was Sebastian's first night on air up at T.O.P. Mm -hmm. um, but we watched the entire show, obviously. Of course. So it's me, Chase, and Nicole in, my, in, in our room, and we're watching the, the, the sports cast, and just like every other word was incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the Syracuse Oregons, the, the hockey team got shut out two to one um what else which like one of those things oh like yeah hockey played in hockey played in halves <laughs> now like you have to write your own copy for your own teleprompter yeah. right there so it's not like somebody else was like a nincompoop and just gave him the wrong information that's just his poor information going into this and he's just regurgitating for everybody and like you, you kind of wish there was a person to proofread all the copy for the show but it's like one of those things that never comes to be because we don't have enough people I mean them. you should be proofreading your own your own copy like the the call time for the for the sports casters is like I think an hour and a half before the show I I never follow that I was I was always there when the uh the 
regular anchors got there. Yeah. It's like you want to have as much time to prepare of course. for your for your show. So you you shouldn't you shouldn't go into a show saying, "All right, I'm allowed I'm allotted an hour and a half to prepare. Let me just only use that hour and a half." No, you should get there as early as you can and, you know, write your stories mm-hmm. and then just keep reading them over. That's all I would do. I would just like I wouldn't pay attention to anything else. Just look over everything. And just trying to shut out the circus like atmosphere, everybody getting like editing their and editing their packages yeah. or the infighting that can happen or at the studio not saying that uh, that place is perfect and stuff like that things like that happen wherever you go it just happened to be in a hyper situation the way it comes to the tv station that was everything was amplified and look obviously you know you have a lot of time to work with uh at, if you get there early enough so it's like you know a normal night for me would be get to the tv station like seven o'clock Write my stories as quickly as possible, and then, you know, I'd have, like, an hour or two to kill to, like, socialize and, you know, just hang out Mm -hmm. before I had to, like, really get into that, you know, all right, it's game time mindset. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're prepared, you know, you're going to do well. No one ever, very few people screw up because they're overprepared. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the point where you say, we're going to wing it. Like, oh, yeah. screw it. We'll do it live. And, but those, like I say, you're playing, it's rushing the lead at that point. But then you have like those kind of times like, all right, I got to be prepared. And you just like hit your marks and you're good. What's your favorite personal memory of your last semester? Hmm. a good point uh, a good question you know there are so many of them um wow <laughs> if you want to like just list a few of like just the bullet points that's all yeah good, you know, if you can't narrow it down well the night after the night after the uh, Sunak championship game mm-hmm. was really fun because that's the weekend Zach visited. Yes. And it was one of the few times I went out to a bar and did not strike out with every girl <laughs> that I that I did on. Now, was it you, Zach, and Cams? Yeah, poor Cams. I remember that. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> I, speaking, think I, know, I think I know what you're going to talk about speaking, here. Speaking oh, you just now you just hit on like all... The like memories of Cam's and I going out, and like us just being the worst wingmen for each other ever. There was there's a there was an SNL skit. I think it was John Lovitz and Tom Hanks. It was with like the two like the dopes at a high school reunion, and like they're just standing in a corner when hot women walk by. Like, how do you do? Continues walking, and how do you don't? <laughs> and, like, not to say anything bad about you two being wingmen for each other, no, but it was kind that of that situation. Was it. <laughs> Actually, going to back, going back to uh, the fall semester that year, one of my best memories is from Halloween night. Uh, Cam's and I went out to the bar, and I think I ended up bringing to a couple of 
like Murphy's? No. <laughs> a couple of girls I knew from TOP and then like they knew like another girl and it was like the first time I actually gone out to a bar and got an, a girl's number. Nothing ever happened with it, but I mean, you know, Milestone. small steps. Yeah. And um I would say just to just say my favorite memory probably of you that semester was also like one of the most inf- not infuriating memories, but it was temporarily upset feelings just because I think Cam's came back or you went out by yourself. It's practically blizzarding outside and you're not responding to calls or text. But what the thing is, you're walking home in just your sweater and you're listening to Lord of the Rings soundtrack on your phone and you get back. I don't see your eyes because your glasses are frosted over. And you're like, and you bitched at us because we kept interrupting your music with our pleas of like a response. Okay, I got the things. <laughs> the rebuttal. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure I told you this before. This is the night that the uh, the door to the Raven got ripped off yes. by like that massive crowd surge. It was almost like ugh, I I hate to to bring this up, but if you've ever seen like footage of uh, the Hillsborough disaster in English football, yeah, it looked like that. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Somehow, I, and I was going against the grain on that. I was trying to exit while everyone else was... Trying to get in. Trying to get in. So, miraculously, I got out of that unharmed. Um, But you're right. It was a really cold night. And the thing about Oswego is, like, it's so cold outside, but the bars are so hot yes. that, like, if you wear a jacket out... And there's nowhere to put it. You're just going to be sweating the entire night, which is just as uncomfortable as being freezing. Yeah. Um, so I never wore a jacket out. I just wore like, you know, I dressed in layers. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, like onions. But they, oh, you leave them in the sun, they get sprout little white dust. No, you idiot. They have layers. Sorry. <laughs> My hijinks is holding up the show. I apologize. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a blistering cold night. And I, I think this also, the same night, another embarrassing moment happened. Um, so I'm walking back and... Phone battery is getting pretty low, but it's like, I should have enough to like, you know, listen to music and, you know, get back to, to Cayuga Hall, which is about, you know, a mile and a half, mile and a half to two, to two miles. Right. Basically at the, the length, at the pace I walk at, comes out to about half hour walk. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm fine with, because, like, you know, when, when you've been drinking, you sort of just, like, you're not aware of how cold it is. Yeah. So, it, it helped. It helped insulate me. And I managed to stay remarkably healthy that semester anyway. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, but as I'm walking back, it's so cold that it just instantly drained the battery. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm listening to music, and all of a sudden, uh, oh, uh, click 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 click. And by that point, I think I had already ignored like either a call or a text from from you guys. So there's no way I can contact anyone else. Just like okay, I'll just get back to campus as quickly as possible. Um, and then I finally got back. Had to be around two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I walk into my room first. I don't think Chase was there. I think he was either down the hall in Nicole's room or with Jackson. I forget. But I go to I go to charge my phone. Then I go to walk to the bathroom, and I think I see. Chase, he goes, oh, you're alive. We're all worried to death. We thought you'd die. And then I pass by uh, Jackson and uh, Larry's room. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, my God, he's alive. <laughs> what, what the hell? Mm. I was like, I was listening to music on my phone, just randomly died. I'm like, you idiot. Because you did give us a bit of a raised heart rate there because we're kind of concerned, like, what if what if he gets drunk and fall in the canal? Which is like 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 kind of like the joke that everybody says with Oswego because Bridge Street Run people would jump into the canal purposely, but then again they're morons anyway. So that ends, and then graduation's upon you. What are you feeling, and what are you doing, getting ready for the actual ceremony? Um, to get ready for the actual ceremony, I I just remember it being incredibly lonely in Cayuga Hall because. Yeah. Even though, well, finals week, I think all of our friends had to stay until, like, that Friday anyway. Yeah. Because uh, I remember we all, we all went out for mug night, um, and then everyone left that Friday. But it was just like, oh, my God. But Chase, Chase had actually moved out, like, a couple of days before that. So for, like... Three or four nights or so, I was all alone uh, in my room. Um, and I remember Friday afternoon before my family got up there mm-hmm. to visit. Bef- but after everyone else had left, and I'm just like waiting for... I'm like packing up my room and waiting for everyone else to get there. I'm just like... Oh my god, this is like this is it. This is over. Mm-hmm. This sucks. Yeah. And I had started like the job search long before then, but I didn't have any, anything lined up yet. Um so it was just like, oh my god, what am I doing? And luckily my family arrived up in Oswego a couple of hours be- before I thought they would, otherwise I really would have just lost my mind. Yeah. Just waiting for something to happen. Um, but I remember that night we went to that huge mall in Syracuse mm. for dinner. Then I drove back to Oswego to finish up packing. And um, it was like senior night at the shed. And Tim LeMay was there. Um, a bunch of other us Wego seniors were there. Brian Tossi, who was the sports director, 
uh, my senior year there, um, Chris Robotis, oh, who wow. had probably the worst unofficial nickname of all of us up there, <laughs> who is actually making a quite a good name for himself as a, as a hockey play-by-play man, as, as is Brian Tossi, which mm-hmm. is good to see. Um, but they were there. Lou Barelli was there, but like, I didn't know Lou that well. I still don't know him like as well as the the rest of the crew. Yeah, know, so. like like Lou and like I would say like or like Bishop. They have like Bishop really, Jackson. Bishop Jackson and a few others have a really good relationship. Yeah. Like like have a communication. Like I've met him a few times. I think I've said hello to him and stuff like that. But I think he friended me on Facebook or something like that. Yeah. And. But like he's also like kind of like the godfather to the WTOP to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But um, so the actual ceremony is upon you. Actual ceremony is upon me, and I remember like I was like strangely like way too formal about it. Like I look around, everyone, all all the people I'm graduating with are like texting and they got their phones out. And I'm like, wait, it's an actual ceremony. I'm just gonna be like. I don't want to be, like, on my phone for it. Right. And I realized afterwards, well, I, I could have, and no one would have said it. Yeah. Damn thing. So that was, that, like, sort of took a lot of the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, there's only so many times you can hear a Chuck Schumer graduation speech without, you know, memorizing it by heart. Yeah. <laughs> and so you walk up, you shake, present the, our school's head hand you walk down the ramp you go back to your room what happens after you i assume you've taken pictures with a few other people and saying goodbye okay i took a whole bunch of pictures with uh my parents my sister my uncle and my grandmother that came up for the for the visit Mm -hmm. um it was strange because like i was the only one of you know us to graduate that early anyway yeah so I was like, I like I knew like a bunch of people from TOP, but like, not you know, I I hadn't spent like three four years with them like I had with everyone else. So it's like you know, it's a little bit awkward being there. Right, like like Larry was sitting next to me, and yeah. like and I said I've been friends with him since Suffolk, and closer friends when we went to Oswego, and like probably like besides you, probably my closest friend up there. And so having him by my side made everything cool and everything like that. So I understand that you probably like going along with you saying the, the feeling of loneliness building up to it and that and like you're you know these people, but it's not like 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 Jackson Dan and I, like their relationship, like even though like they're miles and miles apart, but they still have like they could talk to each other like in the same room kind yeah. of vibe. Like like for me at least, um you know, graduation is something you want to spend with your friends. It's a huge it's a huge deal, you know, to finally get your diploma. It's like the culmination of, of one way of life into another. So, like, to not be able to fully enjoy it with, like, all the people like you and Lee and mm-hmm. and uh, Larry and Jackson, Seabass as well, that I went to school with, it was a little disappointing, but at the same time, you're just like, I did it. I finally did it. Right. So it was, it was bittersweet. And I suppose... Graduation is always going to be bittersweet, but yeah. this this was more so. That's why, like, when I went up to visit, you know, 
in 2000, at the beginning of 2013, and last year after you and Larry had uh, graduated. Right. Um, you know, that sort of felt like more like the end of my time at Oswego than than um than when I graduated. Right. Especially, well, you, you know, it was really strange being up in Oswego like. The first time I visited afterwards, because it was so soon after I had graduated, yeah. that it literally felt like I had not left. Which I understand, because like the second time, the first time I went up was like your second time, which was fall. It was November of last year mm-hmm. of 2014, and then this visit, visit which I did a couple of weeks ago, the saying like you can't go home again, yeah played heavily in my mind because I was sitting in a shed with like everybody like Jeremy Long's up from South Carolina and stuff again Banks is to my side right here so I'm, I should be be doing backflips yet yeah. there's a certain I want to say hollowness but there was like this sound really pretentious or anything like that but it was something not right something was not yeah didn't feel the same I didn't get that hollow feel the first time I visited mm-hmm. but like definitely when we went up and 2014 mm-hmm. there was just like I don't know just like an unfamiliarity with everything yeah it's like oh everything is like you know really changed plus like by that time um although Chase visited that weekend he wasn't there full time anymore so he was like you know Sort of like a different, not mm-hmm. like completely different person, but like he had changed a little bit yeah. since uh, since us we go. Um, what's my call it? Um, it's like the way everyone at, at TOP um, reacted. I, actually, in 2014, a lot for the better because I I was like a lot more friendlier with like everyone from TOP once like. I knew that all of my friends were friends with them. Yeah. Like Blaze, Rudy, people who I admired and respected when I worked with them mm-hmm. um, when I went there. But like you get a different sort of appreciation when you hang out with them. Right. And you know that like um, you know, you're not working with them. Yeah, and so like it's one like th- uh, just like a lot more friendly and amicable. Communal. Yeah. And there's a like Joe Noel heard so much about you before he actually met you, White Kobe, and stuff like that. So he's like, uh, like I really want to meet this Justin Sorella you always talk about and stuff like that. When his like lower deep voice and stuff like that. When he finally did meet, it's like, oh, it, 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 you see, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> it's kind of like everybody talks. Yeah, like the thing is, I worked with with White Kobe. Yeah. During like a lot of our broadcasts, but like we just never really interacted with each other. It was just like, you know, because I was like so new and so shy and he was like so accustomed to everything at T.O.P. that mm-hmm. it just was like, you know, we didn't really mesh well. And then once I came back, I was like, oh, hey, how are you doing, man? Exactly. It's kind of like when I first met Jeremy Long. Is that like I always I, I must have misheard the name and I'm like, because <laughs> I, I thought somebody said Jeremy Wong and like he had emailed me for footage for the whiteout game because he was making he made a really good pra- a package of that whiteout for the seniors of that year stuff like that and when I first met him like I'm shaking his hand in my mind I'm like you're not Asian <laughs> um, so it's one of those weird situations now 
to sum up with our feelings because I know you got to go. Um, thing that you is there a certain regret when it comes to your Oswego time or something you could have done better while you were there? Um, I don't think I have any regrets. I really don't. Okay. Because um, I, especially that last semester, mm-hmm. I know I put everything I had into both TOP, TOP, my classwork, my grades at Oswego were probably the best I've had anywhere in college, which I think is largely due to the fact that I didn't have to drive anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's only a 10-minute drive from my house to Suffolk, just like, you know, you're so engrossed with your time on campus yeah. that it doesn't feel like school. It just feels like it's part of your life. Yeah. And biggest accomplishment while you're there. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I don't think I really, like, accomplished anything. I'm, s- like, I, overall, I'm proud of everything I did at Oswego. But my, it's not one thing. My that... whole body of work is pretty good. Um... There's not like one thing where I I go and say, wow, I really did that, you know, exceptionally well. I think the closest that would be was like um, either producing the pregame shows for the basketball coverage or doing color commentary. Mm -hmm. I think if if there's one thing I could have done better, it's just like I would have really liked to do play-by-play for like one basketball game up there because I think that would have been – the one thing I would have been like, all right, I nailed that. I did mm-hmm. a great job. And like when I talked to Jackson, the, like the one thing he kind of regrets because, because obviously he came in after you, and he became like assistant to the sports director the semester you were not there, and he wishes you were there because he would probably have been like whatever position you want, probably one you wanted to say being with uh, with basketball, he probably would have made sure you got that because that's the one thing he wished like because. He knew all of our skill sets, and he made the right choice. Like he knew where to knew where we were best applicable when it came to broadcast, and definitely that would have been something he would have definitely pushed forward for at least one of the games. Now, people who are listening to this, whether they be at Suffolk or people from Oswego who are listening to it, or hopefully people like that are thinking about going to Oswego, what would you say, people who are considering it? I'd say definitely, definitely go go for it. I mean. There is not one negative, you know, like truly negative experience that I've had with Oswego. Professors, incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we talked about some of them. Uh, Michael Ruddy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Zenner. Jason Zenner. Um, e- even ones that I didn't take their classes personally, but I've heard from all the my classmates and associates up there, mm-hmm. you know, David Moody, great, great professor. Um, oh boy, there, there are probably a whole bunch of others whose names have slipped my mind. Oh my, yeah, I, I have to give this professor mm-hmm. um, just a huge, actually a couple of them. Um, Dr. John Smith, mm-hmm. I know, really, really generic name, but Dr. John Smith had... He was like this crazy, old, wily professor who had this very distinctive ha-ha laugh. 
And I took um, argumentation and debate with him mm -hmm. my final semester. And it was, he was the most lively professor, had the most engaging uh, debates and really taught you how to build a strong argument and how to attack an opponent's argument. And it's helped me out so much with um, writing and just thinking like a rational person that it, I would recommend it to anyone up there. And then another um, professor who unfortunately passed away uh, during, or I think, uh, last year, mm -hmm. 2014, um, Garrick Utley, who was a, a contributor for NBC News and was actually their foreign affairs, um, their lead foreign affairs, um, what do you call them, commentator, right? for years in the, the 70s and 80s. He was uh, a professor. Uh, my professor for um, a seminar class on like the um, broadcast news, just like environment. He would always bring in like um, guest speakers that would um, like Skype in right. from New York or wherever they might be. Mm -hmm. And it was just an incredible insight to you know, the news profession as a whole and, like, you know, what you need to do to be successful and, you know, just, like, get real professional experience mm -hmm. week in and week out. And it was just an amazing, amazing class. And it's a way to go out for when listening to this podcast. Now, for people who listen to this podcast and want to follow you on social media, where can they find you, Justin? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Justin Cirillo. Mm. Justin Cirillo. With a C, C I R I L L O. Mm -hmm. um, very, very, very occasionally when I do find time to write, um, what am I even calling my sports blog these days? A blog? No, like there's an actual title for it. And oh. I, I've changed it like. So many times. I'll I've, put the link in the description. You can send that to me, and I'll yeah. put it in the description for people who want to go. But yeah, when I, when I have sports thoughts that need to be like actually written down and explained, because I I actually rarely tweet anymore, because like I'm so busy, I'm so tired when I get home yeah. from like work. This is like, all right, I'm just gonna keep my thoughts to myself. Yeah. But when I do have thoughts that need to be expanded on, I write them. Okay. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Rooney 2 And you can follow my YouTube channel, Through the Lens Productions, where my latest short film, Spirit of the Lake, is on. As well as the promo for the Halloween season 2015 horror podcast, the little promo I did for the upcoming podcast for this month. Which, the I know we only did one episode of this current week, but I am recording one, not on a movie, but a TV show with my brother-in-law. Hopefully we're aiming for that for tomorrow, and that will be up this week. And you can follow this one, this podcast, Anything Goes, on SoundCloud, which is this is going to be published under. 
and where you will find out more about geek and pop culture, whether it be from movies, TV, comics, and all things considered. Like I know I will be probably be doing a Doctor Who retrospective of this season at the end. So Justin may be on that along with my buddy Richard, who who is Skyped in from England like twice for two podcasts. Hopefully, we can, all three of us can get together and discuss it because I think it would just be a gay old time <laughs> us doing it together. Because the both of you are very eloquent with the way of speaking and how you um, describe, well, not like not just a description, but how you phrase things and how you construct your sentences. I think it'd just be a really interesting experience to have all three of us together. So hopefully, as everybody's enjoyed this very long podcast, this is probably the longest interview podcast I've done, other than Oliver Harper, who I did like a little over a month ago, two months ago now almost. Um, so I hope everybody's enjoyed this. Uh, this podcast and I will talk to you soon and any last words Justin? Oh, thanks for listening and uh, hopefully we'll see you around Oswego hopefully, hope everybody's enjoyed Wizards of Oz and I'll talk to you everybody real soon <laughs>